Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping to the Great Wall of China and back to the streets of, I'm not announcing the show. Where's the show this week? Uh, Las Vegas. Las Vegas, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about, but maybe you're afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on It's Time. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, UFC, film, TV, politics, and we're going to talk about the beautiful Laura Sanko. Hi, Laura. How are you? Hello. I'm well. How are you? I, I, I'm not sure I knew what I signed up for between the sex, drugs, rock and roll, and politics. You're making me nervous, Bruce. Uh, no, I don't want to make you nervous. It's just <laughs> it's no holds barred radio and it's time radio. That's all I can tell you. I got gotcha. you. And um, we're very, we're very, um, how do we say, politically correct. So we'll be okay. Everything's good. Uh, is it possible to be politically correct in today's world? I don't. I have I don't... no idea. Is there such that, a thing no one anymore? knows where that line is. No, no. one knows. I don't know. I mean, between the thing, I, listen, I would hate to be, I would love to be, but I would hate to be a stand-up comedian today. You can't let it fly anymore, right? Seriously, yeah. yeah. You're making you know, someone laugh, you're making someone else cry, and vice versa. Yeah. I know, and it's like, you know, it's the day and age of, as they always say, dot your I's and cross your T's. You got to dot your I's, cross your T's, and like a poker player where you take time to think before you make your move, you got to sit back and think before you make your speech. Before I mean, you say stuff. I mean, we're all in this environment right now where we have to have some sort of filter, right? Like you make one tiny mistake and you're canceled. I like to think that I have a scrolling marquee, uh, you know, through my vision, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that. But I will tell you, as I get older, it gets a lot slower, and I just say a lot of shit that I don't really uh, proofread, unfortunately, sometimes. So uh, this is my pre-apology to everyone. All right. Well, we're well, we're all old enough to remember a, a day and time when everything we said wasn't read by hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> I mean, seriously, could you guys imagine growing up in high school on social no. media? There's no, no way. No. No, thank you. No, no. Thank and you. ask me if I would want to, and I'm going to say no. Mm -mm. Yeah. No. The I, age of the age of innocence. Is, I mean, you're not it, allowed to be innocent it's, anymore. It's not there anymore. Yeah. yeah. You're not allowed. I, you know, I would like to go back in time and see Laura Sanko in high school because she used to have these awesome braids. I saw like a photo of your 16th birthday or something. Yep. I think Laura Sanko and I would have like gone to a corn concert or something together. We 100% would have gone to corn concert together and we probably would have been in a band together and Oh god, uh, I was work. the worst I was the worst singer of all time, Laura. Well, I was the worst guitar player of all time, so it would have been perfect. That's Wait, awesome. What were you the worst of, Laura? Guitar player. I played I played I mean, not well at all. Like I I almost don't even want to put that out there, but yes, I had a little Fender Strat and fancied myself a uh, bit of an electric guitar player. Okay, so what was the one song you could play? A lot of what, power chords. Like, could you play like "Smoke on the Water"? I could. I, honestly, Metallica is what I loved. Really? Just, but I could never. I can't. I could never play like the solos or anything like that. Just right. the really basic bar chords. I could. I could bang out the tune roughly. So you were doing like "Enter Sandman." Nice. Yes. Let me tell you, I was. 17, I think it was, I was living in Malibu, I was going to Santa Monica High School, and um, I wanted to play the guitar. A little bit of impatience. I went and bought a Gibson SG, which I wish to God I still had today because it's been, it's just gone up so much in value. Bought a PV amp, had my buddy uh, come over, give me some lessons. He was in a band. 
But man, when I wasn't, you know, Jimmy Page, like the Led Zeppelin guitarist within six months, I was just frustrated. I, yeah. I didn't finish. Yeah. You know, and I wish I would have continued. I just wanted to be a rock star with that guitar, just in my own in my own bedroom, just in front of yeah. the mirror, just, you know, like letting it loose. That's why and, I was uh, a singer, because yeah. I tried to play the guitar. Well, I had an acoustic guitar, and I couldn't play that because it wasn't electric. So clearly, right. you know, I need to get the electric guitar. And I, too, got a little uh, little Fender Stratocaster. And then turns out, if you can't play the acoustic guitar, you can't play the electric guitar yeah. either. So then I just started screaming. You know what I, I always... Um, Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say my my one my one moment where I actually because I I barely had those moments either, Bruce. But the the one time I actually was like, oh my gosh, this sounds pretty freaking awesome. I had my amp cranked up and my little my little whammy bar, and I Jimi Hendrixed the Star Star Spangled Banner so hard. Wow, but it's a pretty easy song on the guitar because it's one note at a time. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm gonna step off for two seconds to show you something. Hold on. All right. Uh -oh. You know, Bruce goes on these adventures sometimes, Laura, and I never know when know. he's going to come back. And when he does come back, I never know what he's going to have. Exactly. Gonna have it's, it's very exciting. Yeah. I mean, he's such a collector. So I just, oh, my God, there it is. Oh, of course. You know, you know, Jared, the fighter Jared, right? Of course. Well, his brother makes guitars. So he made me. Look at that. Oh, my made... gosh. Isn't that beautiful? That is gorgeous. Is that See, one of one buff? you have to learn to play, Bruce. It's never too late. I know. No, I've got the amp over here or whatever. I, I play around with it once in a while. I'm just All not right. that great. I'm wondering that's how much that's going to go for kind. on eBay when he signs it. One of a kind. <laughs> that's amazing. Had to show you. Had to share. Look at that. The oh, octagon in the back. Even got, yeah. Dang. So that's is Jared Vandera's brother? Yes. Or a different Jared? Yeah. Wait, okay. Nice. Say again. She she was Jared, she Jared was Vandera clarifying. Or yeah. different Jared. Yeah, second one. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious, Buffer. Like, how many chords uh, of Face the Pain do you know? <laughs> None. Oh, okay. okay. All right. It's a Stairway to Heaven. It's some David Bowie songs, <laughs> and it's all the stuff that's easy as hell to play. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. I still I, can't play them all. I can just play little riffs, but yeah. I feel good when I do it. I know? can play Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes, and that's it. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Um, right, so that's, that's our music portion of the show right there. Oh, man. What would our band be called if we were a three-piece? Ooh, that's a fantastic question. Yeah. I mean, Buffer's the front man. He's got to be, right? Oh, I'd be the singer. Yeah, you yeah. got to be the singer. Laura's going to be the Tur guitar player. Turgid also. Biscuit. What, what is it? Turgid Biscuit. Okay. All right. <laughs> Why not? Why not? All, all the songs gotta go boom, boom, wiki, boom, boom, wee. And then <laughs> well, I just want to thank. I want to while I'm on the air. I want to thank Jared Gordon's brother because he did a great job. Did a great job with that guitar. So nice. all good. Awesome. One of many collectibles to be had. But um, speaking of collectibles, we keep collecting shows left and right. Um, they've been nonstop, Laura. You know, when you think about it, the power of these shows that we've had have just been incredible. It's been I, it's been an amazing run. I mean, I feel amazing. like we've been busier than ever. I don't know how, I don't know if they're adding weeks in the calendar every year, but I feel like every year we do more shows, which seems like at some point you're going to run out of weeks, right? There, there's 52 weeks in the calendar year, and it feels like the calendar for the UFC is at least 75. Easily. Yeah. How many, <laughs> how many trips are you on, Laura? How many shows are you working a year generally? Oh gosh, that's a good question. It kind of depends on how you look at it too, because I rack up a lot doing contender series. Right, so there's yeah, ten yeah. right there, and then probably probably thirty five, but that's with contender. Right, so that's what I'm saying. Like there yeah. literally probably are seventy five fight weeks, you know, coinciding at the same time in a single calendar year. Yeah, 
Yeah. Think about it. We talk about traveling. Think about Dana, you know, whether he's hopping on a private jet or not. I mean, the guy's just nonstop between power slap and UFC. I don't know how he does it. And it's incredible. You know, his F at Friday videos, which crack me up, you know, yeah. he's putting out. But doesn't he look good, Laura? He looks amazing, Bruce. I can't I can't tell you how many people I keep, I don't, and I don't know why I'm I'm so excited about it, but I think it's just because I can tell it's like this whole new health revolution for him but like yeah. he looks like a different person and it's amazing to see someone make that change at at 53 and it's freaking shredded and he just looks he looks so much healthier than he did even a couple of years ago yeah he was raving to me at the last show i was asking about the cleanse that he did and he's never done a cleanse before you know when he fasted for three days and yeah i've done cleanses too i mean it's they're not easy to do once you get into it you you know you follow the line but Kudos to, kudos to Dana. I mean, the, tra the transformation is like yeah. ridiculous. He, uh, he gave me one and I'm scared to do it. <laughs> well, all I, I can say is he do gave a me the seven, day, the seven day rainbow cleanse. And I was thinking it was just the one day colon cleanse, which I'm all aboard for that. Like that I can dedicate a weekend to, but a week, I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to go. That's a I lot. don't think I could go without eating for a week. I mean, if you if you have to, you do. But he, I think he told me he only did it for three days. Only did it. He did it for three days. Yeah, I think his was just the colon one as well. But the rainbow one is the colon plus the gallbladder plus the liver. So I might try to just narrow it down into like just the the colon part of it. But he described it as very. He said it was like he's like I've never felt better in my life. He said it was pretty intense, but I've never felt better. So yeah, the video. The video release is like, you know, my sleep apnea is gone. This is gone. That is gone. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a miracle treatment. So uh, proof is in the pudding and he's showing the pudding. So <laughs> it's all there. Or actually, no, he's showing that there's no pudding anymore. No pudding. No, <laughs> no pudding, pudding whatsoever. Man, <laughs> life we without Kansas pudding. City, like, I'm sorry. Go ahead, TJ. I was going to say a life without pudding. I don't know if I want that life. Uh, are you a pudding eater? I, You know, it's funny. I actually made pudding yesterday. It's for, oh for the first time in... Uh, a long time. Like one of my favorite treats is uh, like Jello cook and serve pudding. Uh, you cook it on the stove. You know, everyone does like the snack pack or the instant pudding. My mom pudding. makes like, stovetop pudding. I love that little layer of like skin. Yep, the I don't, skin. Yeah. Oh, it's my favorite. The banana. I mean, banana pudding. Sign me up. Yeah. I, I'm not a big dessert eater, but I will say the banana pudding, banana cream pie, just banana. I love bananas and blueberries. My two favorite fruits. Yes. Yeah. Blueberries taste like dirt. No. No, Great for you. you're having the wrong blueberries. I mean, every yeah, blueberry I've ever had. Just put some honey on them. Get the big juicy ones. You, you got to get, yeah, you got to get the big ones from Target. Target has ones that look like, I mean, they look like tiny apples and they're the sweetest thing ever. They're delicious. All right. I'll check well, it while, out. While we're on the subject of food, I love power breakfast and I either have like protein pancakes, egg whites, and uh, maybe turkey bacon or chicken or whatever usually. But this morning, I'll show you how I eat really good blueberry granola, banana, tons of blueberries, cranberries. Scoop of protein, vegan protein powder, lots of honey and almond milk. Mix it all up, you know, just yeah. and, and the energy gets right into you. It's like almost immediate. Sounds delicious. You want to come cook for me, Bruce? Absolutely, Laura. No problem. <laughs> you got it. All right. <laughs> your yeah. husband too. Your little boy too. By the way, your little boy's adorable. Okay. I oh, saw him thank the show you. Last weekend, he, and he looks so much like his dad. Yeah, you know? he does. Everybody thinks he looks like me and until they see him next to Nathan. Well, he, he does look like yeah. you when you see it, but when you put him next to his dad, it's like, wow, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then he's, your got, he's got my coloring, but Nathan's features, I think, more than anything. It's funny because Nathan was, I mean, Nathan's half Lebanese. So, like, if you ever seen my husband, very dark hair, 
pretty dark skin. And like, I mean, if you see him now, the second he gets in the sun, he's just like, I mean, he's dark. Really? And, uh, but my son is still obviously very blonde and blue. eyed, And my husband's blue eyed as well, or green eyed, I should say. So it's, I don't know. We'll see what he ends up looking like coloring wise, but he's a cute kid. Got a lot of time yet, Laura. It'll all come together. Yeah. My friends, I have to say, my friends were so excited to meet you. And they, every single one of them were like, oh my gosh, Bruce Buffer's the nicest person in the world. He took pictures with our kids. They, they were, they could not stop talking about how gracious you were. So thank thank you. you. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. You know, just it's, it, that's part of the deal when we're at the show. I mean, it's not just our work, you know, sure. I announce and get out, but I say half the time I'm dealing with fans and trying to keep everybody happy, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And especially the kids, you know, when I'm running out, even if I got to be in the octagon in like 20 seconds, you see that little hand coming out. I know. Crowd and little kid. Yeah, can't. It gotta stop. No, I know. And I'll, I've told the story before. I'll tell you one of the main reasons, the emphasis I have on that. When I was five years old, living in um, Philadelphia, and my brother was seven, we were in a Marriott hotel, and a large black man walked through the front door. Right, and I recognized him from TV. And I said to my dad, "Look," and my dad goes, "Well, go say hello," right? And because my dad always taught me never miss an opportunity. So I went over, said hi, and he talked to me for about 10 or 15 minutes, leaning down and talking to me. His name was Cassius Clay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Always had an effect on me. You know, you can, you can, yeah. have, it, you can have an effect on a young child, boy or girl, by doing something like that. And I've seen many, I don't like the word celebrity as TJ knows, so I think it's been cheapened over the years with social yeah. media and everything. But um, I, I appreciate the respect, but I mean, I, I consider everybody equal. But you talk about celebrities or people of, of, renowned you know uh front page news stories or whatever my god somebody asked you for an autograph they ask to say hi it takes two seconds mm-hmm. i mean that's well, our job unless it's so. the autograph hounds that have a stack of eight by tens and they want you to sign all of them and please don't personalize them yeah yeah well i love the fact when they come up to you with those books and it's like i just ask them so when is this going to be an ebay oh no this mm-hmm. is for me mm-hmm. yeah, i'll always. check it like five days later and there it is i know how to write little notes there it is right there you know right. yeah I just laugh at it now. I don't yeah. care. They can do what it's they want. Whatever. Yeah, it's whatever. Yeah. It is whatever. It is whatever. So I, your husband said that Kansas City was his hometown or your hometown? My, well, my hometown. My hometown. I wasn't born here, but I've lived here since I was seven. So basically my hometown. I lived in New York for two years. But other than that, KC. KC? Yeah. The crowd loved it. They had a great time at the show. They did. We. They absolutely. It had been so long since the UFC had been to Kansas City. And it's it's an interesting market because we have, as TJ knows, a lot of MMA here. You'd be surprised the number of regional level shows between now. I know Invicta's in Denver a lot now, but for many, many years, Invicta, Titan, FAC, Blue Court, like there were so many um, regional level shows that sometimes I think it gets hard for the average fan to distinguish. I mean, obviously the brand UFC speaks for itself, but I guess what I'm saying is like, sometimes if you just want to go watch fights, sometimes the smoke market can get oversaturated. So I was really happy to see that the place was, you know, sold out and everybody was super excited. And I thought it was funny that we were getting so much shit on Twitter. What did we get shit on Twitter for? We got shit on Twitter for, okay. So it was the, um, it was the Pedro Munoz. Who did he fight again? Once, once I'm, once I'm past a show, it just, uh, Christian, um, wasn't it Christian? Uh, something? Christian, no, Chris Gutierrez. Chris, Chris Gutierrez. Gutierrez. There Thank you. Yes. And it was a very technical fight, but it wasn't like a slobber knocker. It was very technical. And there was one point where I think the audience started booing and Zach, our boss, Bruce texted me. He's like, 
what is going on? And he's sending me all these tweets of people like Kansas City fans are terrible. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, this is here's the thing about Kansas City fans. We are used to going to Chiefs games. And you know what you do at a Chiefs game? You boo everything that the <laughs> oh, other right. team does. Everything. So it's not it's not meant to be an offense. We're just getting involved. I tell you, one of the things that bugs me a lot, and I think it's because we deliver, the fighters deliver such high-level action fights that when it gets low-level, in so many words, yet highly skilled from what we can see with our knowledge, mm -hmm. it's not enough for them, you know? Yeah. I mean, sure, there's fights that get dull, but I can't stand when they when they boo. And and again, I'll tell you a story that I've told in the show a couple of times. I used to do the King of the Cages in the early days, uh -huh. right? King of the Cage 2 through 11, I did. And it was about King of the Cage 4, and there were two very, very heavy heavyweights, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And they were lumbering and doing their thing, but they're in there fighting. And everybody's booing and yelling and this, that, and the other. And when I read the results, I said, by the way, for all of you that booed, we have a special tournament after the fights are over. You, you can, can sign up him. over here. You get to fight Larry Landless, Herb Dean, and me. And uh, just we're taking your names right now. So we really appreciate it if you would stop booing and respect what these fighters are doing for your entertainment. Yeah. You know, I might have said it a little harsher. Well. But at that time, it wasn't on TV. Yeah. Um, at you know what? at a place stopped... like Saboba, Bruce, you, you might have been it was serious. Saboba Casino. You might have been serious. Yeah. yeah. They stopped booing. I'd, it was like I'd, it was so I'd cool. I'd stop booing, too. If you're going to send Larry Landless and Herb Dean after me, not to mention Bruce Buffer. I'm going to sit on my hands for the rest of the show. I was looking over there wondering, oh, God, how many people are going to sign up for this? No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Anyway, so I, listen, fans can do what they want to do. They're paying their money. But, you know, I just, I'm all about respect. So. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. I think it's just, we're so used to college sports, big, big, big college sports town and Chiefs that it's just, it's just, it's just that Midwest style, man. But they, I will say this after every fight, I mean, they were, they were excited for everybody. So I hope, I don't know. I hope we come back sometime soon, but I know that we have a lot of cities that we sort of needed a checklist to, uh, to tick off because of everything got kind of backed up with COVID. So it might be a while, but it was fun to have you guys here. Yeah, no, I agree too. But, uh, what 20 years since we've been in Kansas city, which, um, no, six. was it 20 years or six? No, years? no, no 20 six. was Miami. 20 was, yes. Miami. 20 was, 20 Miami. was Miami. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is even more surprising because that's a way bigger market than Kansas City. I mean, uh, we just been hitting Jacksonville, you know, yeah. not not only Jacksonville, you would do Hollywood, Florida, which would yeah. be uh, not far. I mean, where I'm from and anything that's like in a 35 mile radius of downtown Minneapolis is the Twin Cities. So yeah. uh, while, while it wasn't te technically Miami, I mean, you were in the general area, but that Miami show, my God, what an amazing atmosphere and, and crowd. And I, I, I got a feeling, I mean, Dana said it, uh, Miami makes them feel like L.A., uh, you know, felt 10 years ago. Yeah. That that Miami date's going to be on that calendar, I think, at least once, if not maybe even twice a year for the UFC. I would think so. I feed off the energy of the crowd. And just, I mean, I just, I just got so into that. Not that I'm always not into it, but it was just a real exciting night. Speaking of which, Laura, you're doing announcing, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm doing commentating now. Yeah. you like it? I know the I commentating. The commentating, listen, you're the first, right? First female commentator for UFC? In the yes, modern well, era. There's yes, in the modern area. There's there was of course of course Kathy Long who had the honor of calling UFC one. Um right. but that was it. So she was just they just had her on the first uh the first show ever. And since then, so 30 years, uh it took to get another female uh at that seat. So yeah, I'm very I'm I'm super excited to be doing it. I've got another one coming up in June. So it's a milestone in USC history. I'm proud of you, Lori. You Thank really you. work hard for this. You're so deserving for it. You're such a great uh, role model of the UFC, you know, both the men and women, both. And plus, how can you not, this is this is really important to me too. 
I love the fact that you're a fighter, yeah. you know? So when you talk, I listen, right? Not that I wouldn't listen to TJ, who is so knowledgeable, but I'm saying a fighter as a commentator is a really great asset, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you ha you have to have some degree of, of firsthand touch of the sport. I think it can be done. You know, Joe obviously does an amazing job, but I think for me in particular, you know, I don't I don't have the built-in credibility that, that the DCs of the world and the Michael Bispings of the world have because of just who they are, right? So I had to work really hard to kind of build that credibility and with the audience and with my other uh commentators as well and it that was probably the biggest i guess task over the last you know four or five years um and i'm just yeah i'm, I'm super happy it worked out and i really appreciate the uh the nice messages that you've sent about that so thank you bruce it was really oh kind you're very welcome no it's just that. completely deserving it's yeah. I, I love watching as i like to say the evolutionary process of, of someone's career and watching you and the way you're growing is grow you know growing into it all the different aspects it's it's yeah. wonderful and and besides the fact you're delivering you're doing a great job that's the key thank you thank you. So you deserve everything thank um you. how but how about the announcing when you no. get in there and announce a fight no. i hate announcing bruce I'm you terrible. hate it really yeah and i'm not doing it anymore i they made me do that um let's see they made me do that the first year of contender series and uh -huh. that was it that was it uncomfortable I, I don't, yeah, not a fan. I love post-fight in-cage interviews. That yeah. I don't mind. It's the it's the announcing of the scorecards that I absolutely hate. I hate it. How do you think I feel when I don't agree with them? I have to put on that poker face and deliver. The, the sense of panic in me when I would pick up, when I would look at their, their scorecards and I'm like, this is wrong. There's no way that this person won. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, this, am I reading this wrong? Did they get the name wrong? Are they, do they think that guy is that guy? And that, that overwhelming sense of like, I'm about to read this out and it's going to, it, it reflects on you because you're the one saying yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a handful of times where I was like, I can't believe I'm about to say this and your winner by unanimous decision. Oh, I know. <laughs> And, you know, as much as I'm happy for the winner, there are these times we're inside. I almost want to shed a tear at times because I know what that one fight meant to that individual who yeah. I thought won that's going to lose and the effect it's going to have on their career and this, that, and yeah. the other. And maybe they're going to be bounced out of the UFC. It's It gets emotional at times, but you got, you know, you're the messenger. You're on the you messenger. Set the, you, just you set the bar almost too high, though, I have to say. You really <laughs> did. Because I can't tell you the number of messages. Because I guess, I guess I read the scores out. Um, I can't remember how many years I did that. I, few, I did that a few years. But anyway, I would get these messages like, oh, my God, it's like she's just reading from a card. And I was like, yeah, because I am <laughs> just reading from a card. <laughs> they, they're like, can't you just, you know, get all because they don't understand. First of all, in the apex. Second of all, I really and I can't believe I'm blanking on her name. What is the name of the woman who announces for PFL? um oh god uh lillian garcia yes li thank you so much for rescuing me of course tj knew that mm -hmm. i really admire her because i'll tell you what it is really hard to have a big voice and to have lots of inflection modulation with right. a female voice because you get really shrieky really quick and when i did the um <laughs> when i did the post fight interviews for road to ufc and you know you say the fighter's name as you're leaving well ladies and gentlemen da, da, da. it's zach kept getting in my ear he's like i need more from you i need more from you and that i really went for it he's like okay now i need less now i need <laughs> it less was like, it was like i think my voice maybe even cracked i don't know it's just really hard 
to have that big that big sound without getting a little shrieky so hey you can't please everybody all the time even Vince McMahon said was talking about this in the show recently you know they they merged and all with their their group um and people are like well am I going to do a one off am I going to announce the WWE Vince yeah. McMahon actually went public well he he actually said that he thinks I'm a little too over the top <laughs> for the WWE which is like the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life fantastic whatever his what reason he means I don't is know. you would steal the show bruce that's what he meant that's right between the lines that's what he meant by that you would steal the show and that would be a problem well thanks again laura i appreciate oh. that but the show is not about me it's about the wrestlers or the fighters <laughs> i just got to do my thing getting back to it thanks very much getting back to the show last week which was a hell of a show obviously arnold allen and max holloway was a brawl for it all like dana said if arnold would have come out in the first four rounds like he came out in that fifth round it could have been a totally different fight but that's probably the best i've seen max holloway in a long time it i was, thought he looked fantastic he did and it was a different max holloway than i think we've seen up until that last volkanovsky fight and i think anytime yeah. someone goes through a fight like that and makes adjustments it's almost like I've, he's unlocked another level to his game because he's able to can be that high volume violent guy without having to get into a car crash every time that he exchanges and if you think about that, Max Holloway, that's a very scary proposition, which is why it, it, it's such an interesting situation for that featherweight division, because it's like you've got Volk and Max who are really, really close, right? That last fight wasn't that close, but between the three fights, you can see that there's a lot of parity there. And then I'm sorry, but that rest of the division, there's there's a bit of a gap. There really is. Yeah, there is. I, I have to agree with you on that one. Um then you talk about the other featherweights in Barbosa and, and Corantillo, Tello rather. Yeah. Uh, when they fought. And Edson just, I mean, how long has Edson been fighting? He's been in this game for 15 plus years too. Yeah, he's, he's, been, amazing. he's been in the UFC for at least 10 or 11 years. Yes. Well, he's highlight reel city. This guy's like two or three highlight reels that will consistently be played. Yeah. So, you know, I was very impressed with him. Uh, Iwan Kudalaba was a monster coming yep. in. And it's funny, every time he's in the octagon, I tell the uh, referee, I look, he's probably going to try to get over to the other side. Yeah. You're not going to get there quick enough. No offense to the commission, but they never seem to move when that happens. It's it's mm -hmm. me, right? So I, I, I do my walk backwards, and he just goes forward and forward and forward. Yeah. But he's a very interesting character, but he was really on target that night, you know? I, he was, absolutely. He needed to be, too. I mean, that was that was kind of yes. a do-or-die fight for him. And, I mean, as much as... Um, you know, I I don't like to see anybody lose. It, it was very, it was a super important fight for him to win in particular. And I'm glad to see him stick around because he's an exciting fighter. I will say that every time he goes out there, you're going to get something spicy at the weigh-in and you're going to get something very spicy. And that fight may only last a round, but yep. uh, he's, he's, he's an entertaining guy. And this is an entertainment sport at the end of the day. Um, I'm, I got to ask you, I don't mean to make this interview my interview, but I have, I've been dying to know this. No, it's your interview. Go. I feel like, I feel like people are getting more and more into interacting with you as you announce them. And I freaking love it. Thank I mean, I, I can't remember who it was, but you guys were like nose to nose and you are, I mean, you are projecting and like <laughs> you're right here. The energy of that is so fun. I, you know, it's fun for me too. And it's like people like, Oh, the fist bump. I never instigate the fist bump. Yeah. Right. Oh, I, I know do. the fighter that like claims to be the first athlete to fist bump you and he gets offended every time he sees someone else do it that's I know Cole, you're gonna say. Cole, Cole Miller 
Coleman. Who fought in the UFC 20 yeah. times. Uh, he's been out of the UFC, I think, for like four or five years at this point. Oh, wow, but, yeah. but, but now, I mean, Cole can't even be mad about the fist bump because, like you said, Laura, like they're going nose to nose at this time. Oh, yeah. They're getting yeah, right, I mean, right Dan in. Dan Hardy kind of started that. Then it yeah. got more. Kiesa gets into it. I can name a lot of fighters, a couple of Brazilian fighters. Yeah. They get right up. It's like, are you going to kiss me? What is this? You know? <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's not show business, it's show biz. And there's entertainment yeah. value there. And plus, I'm all jacked up and hyped yeah. up, you know, getting uh, getting them hopefully more excited about their moment than ever before, which is my job. But like I said, it's not about me. It's about the fighter. And if the fighter wants me to get that yeah. to them that I'm going to, I'm going to bring it. No question. Are you just exhausted after these shows? Cause you're in those moments. I think what people don't realize, and it's probably less for us cause we're behind, you know, we're octagon side, but we're not really on camera that much, but the energy that you have to give someone else when you announce at that level, or when you yeah. have that moment with them, you're literally like taking a chunk of your energy and giving it to 30 people in one night. Do you just crash? Um, the best way I can answer it is that it starts off at a point I'll, I'll blast it in the beginning. And then it's like a build up to a crescendo to the main event. Uh, yes. It's a lot of energy. Sometimes I'll sit down after getting out from the main event and I'll sit down and go. Yeah. Like that. I'm probably the only announcer I can think of that might lose two or three pounds of water weight, you know, <laughs> in those 13, 14, 12 times I got to walk in the octagon. Yeah. But you know, um, I love my job. I love the energy I put out. Uh, you know, by the time I get back to my hotel room or something, you know, before I maybe go out or I'm just going to relax, it hits me there. It's like, oh, wow, that took a lot between interacting with the fans and, and the fights. And but you know what, Laura, I wouldn't have it any other way. I love it. Yeah. You know, it's one of the reasons I train. I've been an athlete my whole life. I stay in shape. You know, I I, I want to be the best I can be when I walk in that octagon. I mean, I've got to put it all out for those individuals and warriors as you so well know what it's like that are putting their blood sweat and tears and their lives on the line for our entertainment you know well so, it shows it shows that you bring your best every time and i know that everybody you. that touches the sport appreciates that about you i thank you so much i appreciate it too i i kiss the ground every time i can wake up and say i'm the voice of the octagon and every night i walk out there i treat it like my first night i've got to prove to you and powers of be and everybody that i deserve this job I don't live on my laurels, Laura. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't talk about the 360 at UFC 200 or whatever. I, I'm not that way, yeah. you know? So was it 200 I did that or 100? 100. 100. I can't agree. <laughs> God. You were kind of grounded by 200. You had uh, you just done that uh, lip sync battle. Oh, yeah. When I blew my ACL before three shows. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks, TJ. I just got a twing in my left hey, leg. I'm, I'm, I'm just that. here to be the historical fact keeper. All right. Well, listen. This is not Bruce Buffer's interview. This is Laura Sanko. So let's let's get back to lovely Laura. Um, and I appreciate all the all the nice accolades. Thank you so much, uh, Clay Guida. Yeah. Dana wasn't very happy with him at that uh, interview. You know, when he was acting like he was going to retire, but he wanted to say happy birthday to his lovely mom. I love his mom. Yeah. His mom's a sweetheart. And Clay's a sweetheart too. And I know Dana oh, yeah. likes it, but time. yeah, you just you can't. It honestly, and it kind of steals a little bit from the people who actually did retire. And I don't, I'm sure Clay didn't see it that way in the moment, but the reality is you're, you're, you're mocking it just a tiny bit by pretending you're going to do it and then not. And I went, I actually missed that because I was backstage doing something, but my husband was like, Oh my gosh, did you see how, did you see yeah. the look on DC's face when, when he was, and he's like, he was literally like trying to wrestle 
microphone away from him. I know I people realize how important the timing is on those post-fight interviews. And they probably shoved a lot of stuff out of the way because they thought that Clay needed this retirement moment. And you literally probably, you might've scrapped a reporter's report. You might've like that yeah. 30 seconds to 45 seconds is huge in television. I don't think people get that necessarily. People also don't get the fact that when you're doing those in octagon interviews, as you do, um, you have an earpiece, you got an IFB in your ear and you've got Zach or the director, whoever in your ear saying like, stop it, go it, do yeah. it, do this, do that. They don't realize what you're going through, you know, in a double-edged sort of communication at that moment. Yeah. 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 So the number of times not, I've had to walk away from someone who's going, what, wait, one more. And I just feel like such a jerk, but I'm just like, I can't. I know. There's one emotional moment I want to mention. We already covered it. Iwan Kudalaba, when he fought Tanner Boza, um, it was emotional for me seeing Tanner after that fight. He was just, yeah. he was wrecked. You know, he's a good guy. He's a tough guy, but he got demolished. It's, it's a very emotional thing, I think, obviously for the fighters, but it's emotional for me too. And yeah. I'm sure even as a commentator on the sidelines, you get emotional, you have to. Super emotional. And I, I, I always say this, and it's really true. Even people... Say you say you fight a, a friend of mine, a, a teammate of mine, and you win. You know, I'm still excited for that person who won, even though they beat a friend of mine. Right. And even if someone I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of loses, there's still a part of me that like really hurts for that person because yeah. I just, I have an idea. I know on some level what it's like to, inv how much of yourself you invest into that moment and how, um, I don't know, this is a weird word to use, but it's a weirdly intimate sport where you're like putting your art out there. You know, artists, I think people understand that they're expressing their emotions. And so it's a very um, heartfelt thing. But I think people kind of forget that martial arts, there is an art component to it. And so when you go out there and you express, this is me, this is my work, this is my body. Like you're literally not even wearing very much, very much clothing. Like it's so it's, you just feel so exposed yes. and you're writing that line of like, I could come out of this looking like an absolute idiot and I could end up on someone else's highlight reel. And when you yep. do, it's really, it's heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking. And, and you know, you can, you can question a lot of things, which is why the mentality um, of this side of the sport is so important. Absolutely agree. And, and one other emotional moment and, uh, a real moment of true sportsmanship in our great sport of MMA was Zach Cummings and mm -hmm. uh, Ed Herman, yeah. you know, kneeling on the ground, retiring simultaneously with each other. That was one of the, um, one of the finer moments I've seen inside the octagon Yeah, is the best what way I, I could put it. Yeah. What, what I love about that. So I've known Zach for probably, or trained with Zach for probably 12 years. He's, he was always, um, he was always the teammate that, after practice would be like, Hey, come here. I want to show you something. And he would take the time and notice that I was, you know, doing something wrong or I could be doing something better. Like he's the whole reason I'm good at Darce jokes. He taught me how to do my Darce. There's little things like that, that he has given to a lot of people in Kansas city that will never be known. But for guys like Zach and Ed, it, it's probably even more touching to me because they didn't, they never had the, the glory. I think that some people achieve in this sport they never had the fame or the riches they're still just regular guys who did this and dedicated their life to this crazy sport just for the pure love of it right yes. there is never going to be conor mcgregor-esque levels uh for them to attain and 
and yet they still did it. And right. that to me makes stepping away even more emotional because the whole reason that you were there in the first place is just because you loved it so much. Exactly. And uh, listen, you're going to be a fighter. You better love it or you're going to hate it. Yeah. You know, no question. Uh, Laura, so now with the uh, entry into the commentating, mm -hmm. the backstage, everything else, where else do you see your career going? What are you, you're building a brand for yourself. You know, I'm a brand builder and I recognize a brand. You have, you know, a beautiful brand, wonderful personality. Every, you have everything going for you to be everything you want to be. Do you, do you see yourself expanding into any other aspect of sports or entertainment? You know, that's a good question. I think if the right opportunity were to present itself, I'm always a big person that like, I'll say yes before I say no to something. Um, uh -huh. If, if the right opportunity presented itself, and it was a, a neat project and a project that made sense for me to get involved with. Of course I would do, but the reality is that MMA is the sport that I love. Right. And I, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't really do this for the money either. I, I appreciate um, earning more on a yearly basis. Cause to me, that's like just validation that I'm doing the right thing. It's not necessarily even about the number. Right. So even if I could make a lot more money doing football or NBA or whatever, I'm not even saying I would be good at those things, but if, if, that option presented itself. I don't know that it would be one that would really attract me enough to spend more time away from my family. Um, even if it was a lot more money, I love, I love the UFC. I just really, really love the UFC and I love, I love my new role. So I'm no, <clears throat> I mean, not that this ever needed to be announced, but I'm, I'm like officially not a reporter anymore. I only do analyst and commentary work. Uh -huh. And I guess I do, I guess I do the backstage quick hit stuff, but that's sort of a separate thing for the digital group. So in terms of broadcast, I'm only going to do the desk, the ESPN desk and um, commentary work. And that was always the, that was always the goal to be able to jump, you know, that to that side of the fence, which is a really, it's a difficult thing to do. So I guess the only thing left uh, in terms of my goals would be eventually to call a pay-per-view, but I know I'm a long way from that. So we'll see if we can get that. Done. I don't you think you're a long, long way from that. You might not be yeah. a long way from that, Laura. I'm sorry. I disagree with you. I don't think you're a long way from that at yeah. all. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had the luxury of sharing the booth with Laura uh, at Invicta. And I mean, from the first moment you did that there, I thought you were phenomenal. And uh, I remember, uh, I, I don't know if Bruce even knows the story. Like I uh, got uh, a job with Invicta on like hours notice. I showed up as a, a, a weigh-in photographer and ended up calling Invicta 11 yep. uh, here in LA. And uh, I remember Laura specifically surprising me with how good she was. I had never seen her work before. She was the in-cage uh, reporter. And I just kept going, it's Sanko. It's not Sanka. It's not that <laughs> imitation coffee drink. I was so afraid I was going to screw up your name that night. Uh, I wouldn't have cared. I wouldn't have cared at all. I was so impressed that you were able to, I mean, because I can't. that's such a stressful situation. But you made me turn, you know, turn about fair play in a sense, like you made me feel so much better because the first time I did color commentary for Invicta was also on hours notice. If you remember. I do. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody, somebody got COVID. So I had to step in, uh, that day and that is, that's a scary feeling, but I knew I was in good hands. I mean, legitimately, I would not probably would not have done it if it had been with someone else because, but I knew that because you would have all of the facts and all of the background covered and you would toss me the right type of question that wouldn't get me in trouble and make it apparent that I had, you know, hadn't had time to do as much study as I normally would. So, I mean, it's, it's all about prep. That first show that I did with Invicta oh. and probably the biggest mistake I ever made with Invicta is I called Aspen Ladd, who was the first fighter to walk that night. I called her Angela for about a round and a half. 
And Kedzie's hitting me going, it's Aspen. It's Aspen. And I'm like, oh, what, what, okay, she's from Aspen. Aspen, Colorado. I get it fine. That's her name. And that's her name. Yeah. Hey, there's a couple of names that, that uh, I got to be careful of. I'll tell you one they fought recently is um, Barbarina. Yeah. Uh-huh. So when I write them on the card, I put a big A on the end because I have a tendency to think Barbarino, like John Travolta's character, yeah. Walking right. Back Cotter. Yeah. And I'm like saying, I can't make this mistake. I can't make this mistake, you know? But if you tell yourself too many times, you're going to make the mistake. Yeah, back when I was announcing um, terribly, one of the fighters that we had on that season of Contender Series was Kennedy and Zuchukwu. Oh, and God. We still to this day can't decide how to say his name, by the way, because we all say it differently. Um, can you spell it? Yes, I can, actually. Really? Okay, I'm going to fact check this. We're going to, this is the MMA spelling bee right now. N Z E. Hold on a C. Okay, N Z E C H E K W U. If I had the bell, I'd hit it incorrect. Dang uh, it. You said N Z E C H E. It's N Z E C H U K W. I did pretty get it right though. on the way in show. I did get it right on the way in show. Hey, once. That, was so I, mad about that. Just write That's it down phonetically good. on your cards. Write oh, yeah. it down. But I said it, I stumbled on it. Um, the first time I now it was it was terrible. I was just it, it did not come out cleanly. And that ended up being the whole reason why I met Snoop Dogg. Because really? yep, because he had one of his one of his guys after the show came up to me. He's like, hey, and he's like this huge guy, huge, just completely smells like weed. And he's like, hey, Snoop wants to see you in his trailer. And I was like, me, 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 what's his name? He's like, yeah. And so I was like, okay. So I go back to, they had these like, um, they were basically uh, containers, giant containers that they were using as his green room because they didn't have room at the old uh, UFC tough gym. So I go into this container. I mean, as the door opens, just this cloud of smoke comes out. <laughs> I was about to say the cloud of smoke, yeah. Oh my God. Him and this other guy sitting there. And you have to understand, even though I am the whitest Midwestern woman you'll ever meet in your life, I did grow up listening to Snoop because my older brother loved it and every day on the way to school. So I was legitimately a huge fan. So I was a little starstruck and I walk in there and I'm like trying to like, how do you act around Snoop Dogg? Like I'm trying to act cool, but not too cool and look like I'm trying too hard or whatever. And he just, he's, he just goes, mm, girl, that African boy's name gave you trouble, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, sir. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. I know I Snoop. I know I know Snoop. His compound is right down the street from my house. Is it like fifteen minutes, ten minutes down the street? So, um, give or take. And I'm working with a company called Rubet now, where I'm a, a spokesperson for him. And I'm and he just signed with them too. So we're going to be doing some kind of a campaign together in the next couple oh, of months. That that will be. That's going to be a very interesting day of filming, right? I'm probably going to be yes. secondhand high by the time I get done all my takes with him, but you know, it'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be a he's lot of fun. He's super nice. He's, he was so. Oh, he's great. Cool. He's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. He was really great. cool. No, I admire his career too. This weekend show getting off of Snoop, not, don't mean to, uh, this, cause we've got a few minutes here. Um, are you working this weekend show? I am not. I have a couple weekends off and I'm super excited about that. I have a couple weekends off and I'm super excited about it too. <laughs> I will see you in Newark. Yes, you will. Definitely there. Anyway, Sergey Pavlovich, Curtis Blades, Brad Tavares, Bruno Silva. We talked about Jared Gordon. He's fighting Bobby Green. Um, good, solid uh, fight night show for the fans to watch on Saturday. Uh, let's see. There's a couple of things I want to talk to you about here. 
Um, do you follow football? A little bit. I mean, I mostly follow the Chiefs, but yeah, some. How old's your son? He's nine. This is what I want to talk to you about. Okay. This whole TikTok generation, which is oh. now becoming business and, you know, The Rock and other people, and people are telling me I should be more focused on it too. These challenges that I see, these kids do, these ridiculous things they're doing mm -hmm. just to get noticed. Mm -hmm. I mean, they said a 13-year-old died in Ohio after participating in a Benadryl TikTok challenge. So messed up. Yeah. I What? It, it's heartbreaking. It's really- Do you watch really over your son to make sure that he, I'm sure you do, and TJ, I, I have to think you do too. Yeah. I mean- as a parent, how do you how do you watch over your kids? Do they have does your son have a telephone? No, absolutely not. And okay. no judgment if people have kids my age. Yeah, of course. My household. I'm he's not gonna have a phone until he's driving. I don't care what his friends are doing. He's not gonna have a phone until he's driving. Because I think, you know, even now we struggle with other things because I, I don't let him have TikTok. We don't have I don't have TikTok. He doesn't have TikTok. Um, but he has YouTube, which basically TikTok just migrates over to YouTube short. So yeah. he's still getting exposed to a lot of that content. Um, we just have really strict rules and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit helicoptery about what he sees online at this age, just cause even, and even with that, you will not believe the questions that he asks. It's terrifying. The other day, <laughs> the other day he, we're driving to school and he goes, mom, what's a micro penis. And I was like, well, what's it sound like? <laughs> You know what, Lori, you got to be careful because uh, my godson, I remember he was like about 11 and uh, just on a regular site and these porno sites do what they call fishing, you know, mm -hmm. and the kid all of a sudden has a porno site that just comes up mm -hmm. and the site that came up on his desk, I won't describe it, was not anything pretty when it came to sexual activity. It was just, yeah. it was heavy. And for a young kid not knowing anything about that, right? Uh, and that, that those, I mean, th th those, I don't think people realize what exposure to that type of stuff does to kids at a young age, you, you're, it gets stuck in your brain. And I mean, it's just no good. L luckily him asking me that question, was just someone was like making fun of someone having a lifted truck with like big stuff on it. And I think the person on the YouTube was like, Oh, he must have a micro penis and just broke into what that was. <laughs> but even then, I guess my point is like even content that's like, okay, there's still stuff he's getting exposed to that I don't particularly love answering right. these questions at nine, but that's the world that we live in. And it just, it's just a matter of doing your best every single day um, to not, I don't know. I want him to have a childhood. I want him yes. to have, uh, I want him to have innocence as long as he possibly can. And I'm already seeing that compared to my, uh, what difference. I was doing and what I was exposed to at nine is a big difference. And it's, big I'm, difference. I'm sad a little bit to be honest. And also me. look what COVID took away from him for two or three years. Yes. You know? Yeah. So seriously, him and everybody else. The the yeah. other day, this is what I hate about my kid being online is he, he says words that I don't understand exactly. Uh, mm -hmm. So it goes both ways. He asks me questions that I'm not comfortable asking and are answering. And I have to ask him questions like, what, what does that mean? Uh, yeah. My kid loves Hawaiian punch. He just had Hawaiian punch for the first time not long ago. And uh, there's a, a restaurant that has frozen Hawaiian punch. Ooh. And I told him, I woke him up the other day. I'm like, hey, and after school today, we can go get some frozen Hawaiian punch, like a, like a Slurpee. And he goes, you're capping. And I'm like, what? I'm, I'm, the, I'm the captain? No, no, you're capping. Captain Crunch? I don't. Like, is that busting a cap? Is that the right? Same? Yeah. No. Apparently, capping means you're lying. <laughs> yep. So, all right, cool. Yep. I, I, I'm not capping. Uh, we're gonna go get frozen Hawaiian punch later. Yeah, that's when you officially feel old when you, the jargon is just completely.
I mean, I don't know any of the bands besides Blink-182 playing Coachella this weekend, Laura. So, like, when people hit me with slang, let alone my 11-year-old son, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I know. It's a lot. I'm not Catholic. No, it is what it is. We have to adapt. We have to uh, just be the best we can be for, you know, me for the sphere of influence I have, you for the sphere of influence you have, but your beautiful son. You know, hey, he's Buffer, a good kid. Buffer's I can, like two I can and a half decades. Kid. He's a good kid. Thank you. But Buffer's like two and a half decades older than I am, and he's still the coolest dude I know. So I know, I know. Jeez, oh, God, thank you, appreciate it. All right, this is not the Bruce Buffer interview. This is the Laura Sanko interview. Okay, but I appreciate the kind words. So, Laura, um, kudos to you and everything you've done. Kudos to you and your career. You. It's such a pleasure working with you. I got to tell you, you are one of these individuals, man or woman. When you walk in a room, you brighten up that room. You don't have to say a word. Your presence, your looks, your beautiful smile, your positive energy that you exude, and it comes out in person and it comes out on on the TV, and you just have an incredible career ahead of you. You know, Thank you. long time, and I'm looking forward to working with you for a long time because I'm not going anywhere unless I physically I can't do not. this job. I know you're not. I, I appreciate you saying that. It's always been um, a really important thing to me to just lead with kindness, you know, to everybody, yes. whether it's a camera person or someone yanking cords or, you know, I try to, I have this list in my phone because I'm not great with names, but I want to be good with names because I think it's important. So I have a list in my phone of like all the people that I interact with and what they do. And so I try to, I try to remember everybody's name, but I just, I think stuff like that, especially the way that we live, it's like a traveling circus and it can be really it can be really lonely and hard. We're all away from our families, you know, to some degree. So I think, um, yeah, just treating everybody with kindness is, is hopefully what brings that light when I walk in a room. Cause you know, I'm getting older. <laughs> two things, two things based on what you said, I'm with you all the way. Um, people don't realize and not that they have to realize the road that we're on, the happy times we have, the lonely times we have, the work it takes to travel and do everything that we do. I'm not asking for any sympathy, but it's not just being on camera going, hey, yeah, you know, a there's lot. a lot more involved. And um, yes, like I end the show every time, treat everybody around you with respect and be a role model to your sphere of influence. That's the key. We're yeah. all created equal. Don't try to announce against me. Don't try to fight me, but we're all created equal. You know, it's all good. Yeah, absolutely. All good. Laura, thanks so much. Please say hi to your husband and your I son. Will. Yeah. Thank Tell you, all your relatives and all, it was a pleasure meeting them. Hope to see I him will. again. I will. And uh, I'll see you in new work. All right. All right. We'll see you there. Thank you guys so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Laura. Appreciate it very much. You have a lovely day and a great weekend. Okay. All right. You too. Bye, Cheers. Laura. There she is. Laura Sanko. Laura Sanko. Class act. Yeah. Class you act. know, you talk about seeing the evolution of, um, you know, her growing. Uh, I was lucky enough to, to work with her prior to the UFC. And uh, man, uh, the, the amount of... Uh, progress that she's made, you know, going from an in-cage reporter to, you know, the first woman in the, the modern era in yeah. the UFC to be a color commentator to uh, really kind of owning that role as an analyst now. Like she said, it's true. There, there's only a handful of uh, people that have ever worked for the UFC in a broadcast capacity that haven't uh, actually fought in the UFC. Uh, Rogan being one of them, uh, Jimmy Smith, who's no longer with the company, being the other. And I think the really the only other one that comes out to mind is, is Laura Sanko. I have to get with you on that. So I'm with you on that completely. Oh, we got another uh, guest here. Yeah, we have another guest it. coming up, bro. We got to talk about some boxing. Yeah, let me bring him in uh, right now. Press this button, and I think he should magically appear uh, in a moment. But uh, there he is. Uh, Tom Loeffler, kind enough to uh, join us. If you don't know, Bruce, I called uh, Tom's event 
uh, last Friday night, Hollywood Fight Nights uh, at the Commerce Casino uh, here in L.A. I was uh, lucky enough to be in the booth uh, 29 days earlier in Boston as uh, Hollywood Fight Nights uh, went east. And, man, you know, like I'll never lie and say that I'm a boxing guy. I'm very much an MMA guy first. But, uh, Tom, thanks for coming on the show. We had to talk about this last event because you're making me fall in love with boxing because you're doing it a different way uh, than, than most other boxing promoters uh, at your level, you know, in the regional level and building stars like Cal Walsh are doing these days? Well, we're trying to infuse excitement back into Boston, TJ. I mean, but into boxing. You know, we were in Boston in March, and then we just came uh, April 14th. We went to the Commerce Casino out here, where I'm sure, Bruce, you've probably taken some money out of that Commerce Casino a few times. <laughs> one, of my win- one of my winningest casinos for poker, yeah. <laughs> so it was great to see you last night, Bruce. We love that uh, Puncher's Chance bourbon. Oh, yeah, oh, Tom, thanks, Tom, Tom went yeah. and found you, right? Yeah. Yeah, Tom came over to, I was at Nickel Mine in, uh, in, in the uh, West L.A. area here on Santa Monica Boulevard. Great, great sports bar, too. Really great place to watch UFCs. And a ton of people showed up. I, you know, free shots of the bar. I put some live videos and stuff out on my Instagram. And who walks in but Tom Lawler? <laughs> Tom Lawler is really no, cool. Yeah, they did a nice job at that bar, and I saw I saw Bruce go live on his Instagram, and I said, "Oh, I'm gonna go down there and say hi," because uh, you know I was in the area, so that no, was good. Great to see you, Bruce, and uh, got an autographed bottle down there, and uh, it's uh, always always good. No, it was good. It was great to see you and 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 the people that came there. It's funny you mentioned the live Instagram because, you know, Kristen, my business partner, was there with me, and she's like, "Bruce, you got to keep saying nickel mine, nickel mine, nickel mine." And like <laughs> I said in the beginning, and you said, "Oh, you said in the beginning," but then I couldn't hear it. I wasn't sure what it was. So like, I got to <laughs> listen to my partner when she gives me some direction. Yeah. I was just so excited to have everybody around there. But a very very good experience. But aside from that, um, Tom, you've got an event coming up. Yeah, we got. Uh, we just announced uh, June 9th. Actually, we announced it in the ring when uh, TJ was out there uh, at that April 14th show. It's going to be June 9th at Commerce Casino, and we're bringing back the very popular King Callum Walsh. So uh, fans are looking forward to having him back in the ring here in L.A. He just fought in Boston in March, and so uh, we're stepping him up. This will be a second 10-round fight, and he's he's got to be the most popular 6-0 and fighter out there having headlined uh ufc fight pass uh five uh five different times how old is he tom he's he's 20 right he uh he just turned 22 actually. okay 22 that's what it is but but i mean he he commands the attention of the media and the fans and does so in a way where you would think he's been boxing or being in the spotlight for 20 years you know what i mean he he, june 9th i'm sorry june 9th yeah Mm -hmm. it's friday you coming up then he's fighting again TJ, I stepped on you. I apologize. No, it's okay. Was, you, come, you come in June 9th? We, we want to know if you're going to be in the building. No, I've got to be in Canada, I think, for the UFC uh, on, on the 10th. But then there's there's a, a MSG, right? We're, we're doing the show in, is it Newark? or Yeah, Newark. Wait, what, well, is, no, what no, is the no, other New fight Cal- New Cal- fighting at that I said, if you can get me, you know, talk to Dana. I'd love to announce his bout. That's, that's November. We haven't officially announced that one yet, but for you, Bruce, yeah, yeah, that's November, November 10th in uh, Madison. Oh, I'm sorry, did I let the cat out of the bag? No, that's good. It's all good. Okay, cool. cool. <laughs> Those are our long-term plans for uh, Callum Walsh. But uh, just building on what you said, uh, TJ, it's uh, you know he's got that it factor. He's he's yeah. had so many amateur fights, and he's got a really uh, good presence and uh, his charisma. And you know you can kind of put him on the spot. Last time when I called him in the ring, and I just put the microphone <laughs> over to him and. You know, he really uh, commands a, a great audience, and uh, he's 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 on the radar screen. A lot of people know 
when Callum Walsh gets in the ring now. So they're looking forward to the June 9th show. A lot of people, including Dana White, you know, he's one yeah. of the sponsors, right? So it's all good. And listen, we had you both on the show a few weeks ago, and it was a pleasure to meet that young man. And then to meet him in person when I saw him in Miami, I think it was. Was it Miami or where did I see I him? think it was London. London. You're all, see, you're I, all you know, over it's, the place. It's, it's like if it's Tuesday, this must be Belgium. I just can't <laughs> right. remember at times. Yeah. It's crazy. No, you, it's gave a- him, you gave him some of your cologne over in, uh, in London. That's right. It was UFC London. Yeah, he yeah. liked it too. I'm so, jealous, yeah. by the way. I'm sitting over here, podcast producer for 14 years. I don't have a bottle of the cologne. Here it is, TJ. Grab it. Okay, grab thank it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Let me grab it. Hey, by the way, speaking of the – okay, we got to show a second. Speaking of this time, cologne sold out in the U.K. Nice. We have to restock now. And still the fastest-selling cologne on Amazon in the United States. So right. get, your, get your bottle. And I'm telling you, your girlfriends, your wives will love it. I got the bourbon. Now I need to get the cologne. <laughs> okay. We're working on it. If I had bottles last night, I would have handed you one. But thanks again for coming down, Tom. That was really, really cool. No, it was great. And, you know, we're building boxing on UFC Fight Pass. You know, we want to put on exciting fights. Every fight that we put on, it's a six-fight broadcast on, on Fight Pass. And every fight that we put on, we really want it to, to turn into an exciting fight. Because that's the real only way we're going to win the UFC fans to watch to watch boxing if we put on exciting fights again. And and uh, that that's our goal. That, that was a promise to Dana. Like you said, Dana got 100% behind Callum Mulch the first time he met him when I flew him up to Vegas to the uh, to the headquarters up there at UFC. Dana, all of a sudden, lights went on and said, okay, Conor McGregor, I can do what I did with Conor McGregor on the boxing side with Callum Mulch. And so that's, that's the path we're on right now. What's also exciting, too, real, real quick, Bruce, sorry to step on you, but, uh, you know, Tom, you're, the pacing of Hollywood Fight Nights on Fight Pass is just phenomenal. There's no insane downtime. Like, that's one thing I don't like about boxing, uh, you know, at the big high level. When they do the ring announcing, there's like yeah. 58 people in the yeah. ring. Like, get them on it. We want to fight. If I, was, if I was announcing in a boxing ring doing what I do, I'd be knocking people out left and right. Seriously. Around, I'd be hitting people. I mean, not knocking out. You know well, what I mean? Well, you'd be doing spinning backfist by accident, Buff. I yeah. have announced boxing. I've announced a, a ton of boxing matches. I even did a whole HBO show, a Casamayor fight when my brother had throat cancer back in 2008, and I filled in for him. I remember that, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I enjoyed the hell out of it. You know, no question. Uh, That's what Michael's pet peeves is when, like like TJ said, when there's 20 or 30 people in the ring and you're trying to announce the fight, it should be just uh, the announcer, the spotlight, and then the boxers. And that, that's, yeah, that, I agree. But yeah, you do you do that a lot better on the UFC side for sure. Oh, I love it. I, I listen. I, I've even had to tell a couple of commissioners, could you please like stand over here because I need this little area here. You <laughs> know, something could happen. <laughs> you know what I love? I love Bruce, and I've loved this for years. Is when you uh, you do this, you're like fighting, and then you say something you're like boop, just throw the throw the card away. <laughs> oh, they, they, in the main event when I'm done right. with the card, yeah, and then, I, and I, then, I can't do then, this. Yeah. And then Herb Dean runs over and picks it up. <laughs> no, actually, the doorman to the what well, he has, yes, Herbie right. used to do that, but now the doorman knows to always grab it when I do that. It's my little ninja card star that I throw behind me, but it's just you know I don't have time to do this. I'm See, done I, with I, this. I know Get you would never here. disrespect the microphone by doing a mic drop, but that's the buffer version of the mic drop. Get that card out of here. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about guitarists and stuff like that earlier. You know, a lot of the feeling I get from when I'm doing my thing is from watching those great guitarists do their solo acts or the great rock singers or even Elvis, you know, when he kind of went like this a little bit, you right. know, which all that. It's all part of the show. Our, we all have our inspirations in life. Yeah, for sure. So Tom, do, let me ask it, you. Well, I was going to say, you do that fantastically. And Dave Schwartz, who I brought with me yesterday, he's your biggest fan. So I, I, I Oh my said, God, Dave, what a fanboy he was. It was so cute. Yeah. He's actually, 
very understated, but he owns a uh, Renorec and they, they, he's, Dave's a very successful uh, business person. <laughs> very nice. Very nice here. Very nice gentleman too. Pleasure to meet him. Um, real quick before we go, Tom, what's your take on Francis Ngannou sitting around slowly, but surely becoming less relevant as he doesn't make a decision on what he's going to do? You know, I, I can't speak much for him. I, only I love him. I, I love him. I praise him. I, I, when I say less relevant, I'm talking about in the public eye. Yeah, which is something when, I told him on my show. I said, "Be careful. You can lose that within six months plus. You start to lose that allure. You know that's that's the great thing about what Dana has created with the UFC brand and the UFC marketing machine is that anyone that's fighting on the show is is in the spotlight and worldwide attention and naturally, you know, getting compensated that way. And so I don't know what his decision, what went into his decision for not re-signing but look what look what dana did with uh, john jones and now it's like an even bigger champion so it's the ufc brand uh, uh lives on and um you know whoever doesn't go down that path i think uh, a lot of times they can they can uh, definitely hurt themselves and like you said with francis you know he was in the top of the world now you know after a certain amount of time you people stop talking about you and you know there's rumors about him fighting Deontay wilder or anthony joshua or whoever it is but you know, unless that fight materialized or one of those fights, it's it's going to be hard for him to get back to where he was as the UFC heavyweight champion. And then you get a, a question in negotiation process, which you know better than anybody, that he goes back to the UFC in two, three, four months, whatever the case might be. Is that heavy, heavy, which I know what I don't want to quote it, but that was a very heavy seven figure offer he was given with pay-per-view points, from what I understand. Mm -hmm. And I, I just would it be the same offer? Right. right. Yeah. I, you know, one thing I, I will say is, I, I and I say this about Nate Diaz, too, who recently left the UFC. I think that we will see both of those gentlemen come back uh, to the UFC at one point or another. There are fights there that just make sense. Even if Nganu goes out and, you know, doesn't do well boxing or if Nate, you know, comes up short to uh, Jake Paul. Like, th there are marketable fights in mixed martial arts that I don't think are going to be uh, you know, hurt or harmed by these athletes leaving. And if you think about it, like what a power play that is for the UFC and, and Dana White to know, like, okay, like go guys, like go do your thing. I don't, mm -hmm. I'm not going to stand in, in front of that, but if you want to come home, like, you know, where the real fight is, you know, where the real money is going to be. And I, I anticipate, I said this, I think last week with you, Bruce, I think we'll see Nate Diaz back in the octagon to fight Conor McGregor within the next two years. And uh, I mean, something's got to develop here with Francis relatively quickly. Otherwise, I don't even know if anything's really going to come to fruition and he's going to have to come back to the UFC, uh, like you said, potentially at a lower rate. Yeah, um, I don't wish that on him. I, I, I truly, truly like Francis as a human being and as a fighter. He's a fine man. I don't wish that on him at all. I want to yeah. see him get every single dollar he deserves. As I want to see every fighter, I don't care where they're at, make a million dollars when they walk in the octagon. I just don't think That's the interest is there to see him box in the way that maybe he thought and maybe the way that his, his it team was. thought. Right, yeah. It was, but I don't yeah. think it is to a degree, at I mean, least it's with, been with a, me. It's been a year since he fought. It's been over a year, almost a year and a half, I think, since he um, last fought uh, Cyril Gaon. So, Tom, uh, well, the other thing I heard on the inside, I do not know if this is correct, and I don't. Please don't quote me. I'm just saying I heard this that he doesn't have a manager. He doesn't. Have, he's negotiating for himself. Tom, oh, you know yourself. That's the worst you thing know, in the these, world you can do. These I can do negotiations it. I do it all level. the time for myself. But, but I'm you. You know that's what I. I manage Michael's career forever, so I can do that, right? But um, or I. I think I can do it. But but it's like that's not talent. Shouldn't do that. 
And boxing is a different beast, right, Tom? It's not the the MMA sort of model of uh, negotiation. It's very complicated, uh, TJ. When we were negotiating the the highest uh, the fights at the highest level, you know, Triple G Canelo fights and everything, it's like such a give and take. This person thinks he's worth that much money. This person's a champion. You know, it's just back and forth, and uh, it can you can get really bogged down in the weeds if uh, if you're not experienced at that or if you're not. Uh, looking at the overall picture of uh, how much money. So we had to make a lot of concessions. Just to give an example, we had to make a lot of concessions to get uh, Canelo into the ring with Triple G. But with even with all those concessions, Triple G still made more fighting Canelo than he would have fighting anyone else. But some people don't look at it that way. And they're like, okay, I want to have this type of a split or this percentage. And and a lot of times fights uh, get bogged down. Um, yeah. It's unfortunate. Way. Hey, uh, real quick before we get you out of here, uh, I want to talk about the last week's uh, show. Uh, Bruce, you might not know this, but Anderson Silva's son, uh, Gabriel Silva, yes, made his pro boxing debut. And just, I mean, it, it is eerie uh, looking at him because he has distinct facial features that are very much like his father. Um, people probably don't know, uh, at least most casual fans don't know, that when Anderson first broke into the scene in mixed martial arts, uh, he was a shooto champion at 168 pounds, uh, which was you know approximately the the weight that Gabriel weighed in at for for his fight. And like, man, it is. Uh, it's not one to one. I mean, it's very hard to say someone is is exactly like their father, who is you know one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. But man, there are flashes of Anderson inside of Gabriel and Tom. I'm excited to see this young man continue to grow, and I hope we can see it on that 360 stage. You know, what was nice to see is that Anderson was there in the locker room supporting his son. He was in the corner. It was actually Anderson's birthday. We gave him a, a birthday bouquet of roses, and and it was nice to see the support there. And and uh, you know, like you said, Gabe made his pro boxing debut on the June 9th show. We're going to have his brother, Khalil, who's more experienced in the boxing ring, and he's scheduled to fight on the June 9th show. So we want to keep making the tie-in for the UFC fan base uh, crossing over to uh, watching uh, the, the boxing shows that we do. The Fighting well, I'm Silvers. Glad, I'm glad I'm you're doing board. that because boxing needs young eyeballs, right? Yep. And that's what it's going to take amongst many other things. So kudos to you, Tommy. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. And uh, I think Callum Welch at 22 years old, there was a uh, Kane Sandoval. He was a standout on the last show. He oh, yeah. 20 years old. He's nine and zero with nine knockouts. Now, uh, Umar Jambekov is four and zero with three knockouts. So we're trying to put on the guys that are putting on exciting fights. And we got a, a, a nice young stable of fighters that are, that are coming up that I think are going to be all future world champions. Yeah. Ladies yeah, and gentlemen, boxing's not it. dead. I mean, that's yeah. the thing that I've heard about for, for years. Oh, boxing's dead. There's no up and comers. No. Yeah. You just got to look a little bit and uh, the place to looks UFC fight pass. There you go. No, that's a closed minded attitude. Boxing, not dead. It's still one of the greatest sports ever and one of the longest sports ever. No. And I love it. It's and how can you not appreciate it? it? MMA is MMA and boxing are apples and oranges. Okay. It's yeah. fighting, but it's apples and oranges. Let's just look at it uh, like that. I mean, it's like uh, oranges and grapefruit. Okay, They're however you citrus. want to call it. They're both citrus, you know. I think one of the problems to touch on that is that boxing was became so hyper-focused. I think when Floyd had that 50-0 record, so hyper-focused on being undefeated, whereas yeah. the beauty of the UFC and, and uh, you know, the excitement there is that you can have two or three losses and still come back and be in the highest level fights, and it's just uh, you don't get put on the shelf. Just because you lose a fight, you don't get put on the shelf for two years, and that's, that's where – the UFC provides uh, just great competitive fights, regardless of who the matchup is, whether it's a champion, whether it's like the number three and the number six contender, whatever it is. And it's a, uh, they're great matchups there. And boxing is so, 
focused on, okay, you got to be undefeated. You got to be the champion, that type of thing. We're trying to break that mold and say, look, you know, we're going to keep the guys active. That's another thing. Cal Mulch this year is going to fight four times. He would have fought five times, but he's going to fight four times. And, you know, that's, you know, people, fans want to see activity and they want to see these young guys growing in the ring. And that's what Fight Pass is, is the platform to, to watch their careers develop. Agreed. Agreed. Tom, we got to close out the show. Good. Not that we can't not close you out. We can continue to talk, but TJ's got uh, whatever TJ's got. I got to go do my thing. I got to go train and uh, get ready for Newark or you whatever. More bourbon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I didn't dry. I only had two old fashions last night, but it's hard not to drink when you're at a bar for three hours. I mean, know? when it's your own bourbon too, you got to show that you like the product. Hey, it was fun buying shots for everybody. It's a lot of fun to do that kind of stuff. But uh, Tom, again, thanks for coming by. Thanks for coming Great. on the show. Great seeing both of you, TJ. Look forward to see you June 9th. And Bruce, we always look forward to see you in the Octagon. Thanks, Tommy. I appreciate it very much. And I'll see you. Is your office still over at Gold's? Yeah, absolutely. Upstairs at Gold's. So whenever you're here, just uh, let me know. Yeah, I'll pop upstairs and say hi. You know, I'm training elsewhere now, but I do, I'm, I'll do. i be going back for okay. some stuff. Great. Bye, right, Tommy. Thanks. Have a great weekend. See you guys. Thanks. Always All good the to best see success. Appreciate that. And real quick, the Klitschko brothers are healthy and safe. Uh, you see Vitaly over my uh, shoulder here. Um, actually, I, I heard Vladimir's flying into Miami this weekend for a Ukrainian charity event to raise uh, money over there for the Ukrainian effort. And Vitaly, you know, he's the mayor of Kiev, and and he's he's got the biggest fight ever on his hands. But Vladimir's there shoulder to shoulder with him. So they're doing okay. It's just it's so unpredictable what Russia's going to do and the missile strikes and everything like that. It's uh, yeah, I know. I know. I'm reading it. Russia even dropped a, a bomb on their own city today trying to get oh to Ukraine. So it's crazy over there. Do me a favor because they used to be my neighbors and I, you know, I know them very well. So please extend my uh, best wishes to say hi for me when you talk to well, them. I appreciate it. Thanks, Absolutely. Tom. All right, Tommy. Okay. See you guys. Take care, my man. Okay. Bye bye.